Good morning, my dear brothers and sisters. First, I must begin by offering my apologies to the young people whom I let down this morning. I was sorry and disappointed not to be with you, and especially if uh, some of you would have stayed in bed longer than you otherwise did. And uh, secondly, I would like to tender appreciation for the tremendous warmth and love and hospitality which Sister Anne and I have received over this past week, which will go towards making this fellowship, fellowship week one of uh, a lovely memory um, that we shall take back with us to Britain. So thank you for that. Now to Matthew 14. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And of course it was from heaven. The religious leaders knew that well enough, brothers and sisters. <coughs> they were only unable to answer the question which the Lord asked them because they were embarrassed to do so and knew that it would convict them if they did. But they were well aware that John had not been set on by any man. He had been appointed the herald of Messiah by God himself. And John was indeed a great person. Perhaps we do not always think as much about John the Baptist as we ought to do. For he was a priest, but he was more importantly than that the herald of the new covenant. He spoke about repentance for the remission of sins. Notice that. There is no remission of sins, as we all know very well, outside of Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist was the herald of the new covenant. He could see what Jesus was going to do. He knew the purpose of this Lamb of God. And he taught the repentance by baptism for the remission of sins in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ even before it took place. He was the messenger then of the new covenant. He was a prophet, Jesus said, and more than a prophet. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Of those born amongst women, our Lord said, There was not a greater than John the Baptist. He was a burning and a shining light. So you can see, can't you, how the phrases begin to pile up in describing John the Baptist. How great and how lovely this man was and how much his work and his messengership meant to our Lord. And what a shock, therefore, and what a sad moment it was when Jesus, here in Matthew 14, heard of his death. It was a reminder, of course, of the cruelty that was awaiting the Lord himself. Not only because John was his cousin, not only because of the work that John had come to do, but because of this very fact, that Herod's wanting to spare John and his weakness in being unable to do so, his weakness to do what was right, typified Pilate's situation, didn't it? He also would be a man driven to know what was the right thing to do and unable to bring himself to do it. In weakness, he would hand the Lord Jesus Christ over to the, the mob who cried for his crucifixion. 
So in a number of ways, this was a particularly sad time for our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not surprising, therefore, that he sought refuge in the desert. Matthew 14 told us that. When Jesus heard of it, verse 13, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Jesus sought some respite. He wanted, perhaps, to collect his thoughts, to think about what had been happening, to consider the implications of the death of his cousin, of the messenger, and of the forebodings, the dark clouds gathering now, looming ahead, which spoke of his own death. Mark's record fills us in a little bit more and tells us that there was more than just Jesus being considered by this move into the wilderness. Mark chapter 6 and verse 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Hard to conceive of that, brothers and sisters, isn't it? Although we often try and, and imagine the crowds gathered around Jesus, pressing upon him from every side, anxious to, to touch, as it were, but the hem of his garment that they might be healed, we don't often think, I, I, at least I don't think we do, of the busy times that those disciples had in serving the Lord, in assisting him in his work, in marshalling the crowds, and so on and so forth. And there was not even time to eat. They had no leisure so much as to eat. So busy were they. So rushed off their feet day after day. And they were long days too. <clears throat> and so Jesus says to them, for their own sakes as well as for his, come ye apart a while into a desert place. Rest a while. And they seek therefore to come apart from the crowds and to have some respite. But verse 34 of Mark 6. Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. Matthew told us the same thing, didn't he? When Jesus was come thence into a desert place, when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. That's the amazing thing about the Master, isn't it? Whereas, speaking for myself, and I can only speak personally, I would have been, well, to put it mildly disappointed, probably somewhat agitated and aggrieved, probably at worst, impatient and angry. But here we sought but, but one little occasion of, of solitude and of quietness. And here again were the people who just would not leave us alone. There's nothing of that, is there, from the Lord Jesus Christ. He exits the boat and he sees a great multitude who've, who've followed him on foot, taking the long way right around the lake. And he is instantly and immediately moved with compassion toward them. And he healed them. He was concerned about their needs. He was sensitive, brothers and sisters, to their, their particular uh, needs which they considered to be every one of them more urgent than the next man's, we imagine. And Jesus was able, unlike them, to make his own needs subservient to theirs. 
One of the greatest sacrifices that you or I can make in, in this life, brothers and sisters, is, I suggest, the sacrifice of privacy. It's very hard, isn't it? <clears throat> if day after day, week after week, you feel you have no, what we call in, in, in today's world, prime time. Time to spend with your spouse. Time to spend with your children, with the family, with those you love. It's very hard, isn't it? And we, we say that we actually need that. Perhaps that's right. Perhaps we do. Jesus here was looking for prime time to use today's catchphrase. And making that sacrifice of privacy was so very difficult. But Jesus did that, brothers and sisters, by his unselfishness. By being self-effacing and making his own needs subservient to theirs. Whatever it was he required, whatever it was he wanted to do, and whatever he felt his and his own disciples needs to be, he clearly saw in the crowd greater needs. And he felt sorry for them. He felt compassion on them. He healed them. He instructed them in the ways of life. And then towards the evening, he desired to feed them. That's what the people needed, wasn't it? They needed feeding. They needed feeding, feeding physically, but they needed feeding spiritually as well. Our Lord Jesus Christ always, of course, had his priorities right. He knew that so often they sought the miracles for the miracles' sake. That they came for the loaves and fishes. That it was an easy and a cheap meal. A way of making ends meet that week. Jesus, on one occasion, after the feeding of the 5,000 in John's record of the miracle, condemns them for that and says that they need to recognize themselves what their own greater needs are. If he could perceive them, why could that not they see that his ability to supply physical food was merely the token and the proof of his ability to supply what their lives most needed of all things. The point we want to make, brothers and sisters, is the time that Jesus had for people. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is seeking time for himself and his disciples, but he's very willing to make time for others. And that's something that I, and I think many of us, find very difficult. We do say, if you want a job done, give it to a busy bloke. And uh, there's some truth in that, isn't there? People who are used to fitting things in can usually fit in more. But here we're not talking about fitting things in, we're talking about fitting people in. And that's rather different. It's always difficult to make time for the needs of other people. And here the Lord Jesus Christ was acutely aware, not only of the crowd that had followed him, but of his disciples as well. And it does appear that they did have their rest in the desert. That the Lord Jesus Christ did make provision for them. That he sort of dismissed them for a time. <coughs> while he dealt with the people. Instructing them and healing them. And then perhaps towards the end of the day. The disciples came back to Jesus. Verse 15 of, Mark, of Matthew 14. 14 for connection. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. And was moved with compassion 
<coughs> toward them and he healed their sick and when it was evening his disciples came to him so they had, they had been elsewhere it seems to suggest perhaps Jesus had sent them off to enjoy a well earned rest to be able to recuperate as it were to spend some time alone but together and now they came to him and saying this is a desert place and the time is now past send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals it's often the case isn't it that when we've when we've had one little rest we uh, we tend to feel we'd like another one rest cultivates another doesn't it one little bit of prime time makes us anxious and perhaps greedy for a little bit more and maybe that's the case here maybe the disciples having enjoyed a day without the crowds haranguing them and without the, the rushing about of, of service for the Lord Jesus Christ are now looking for some more and they say send the multitude away Lord tell them to go and buy themselves something to eat perhaps now they look forward to spending time with Jesus himself and to being instructed by him to having a good Bible class with him in their midst or perhaps their concern genuinely was for the people this is a desert place the time is, is, far, is far spent the time is, is well past these people are not going to get to the shops in time isn't it time that you sent them away for their own sake Perhaps the motives of the disciples were more honourable than we suppose. That they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And Jesus now, again, is, is at pains to help both the people and his disciples. And here he helps, as you know from the other gospel records, he helps the disciples to put their faith in him. He asks Philip, where should we buy bread for all these? And uh, Philip looks at the, at the question and the problem very physically, very literally, and he says, well, 200 penny worth of bread wouldn't be sufficient for all these. Perhaps he did a, a quick calculation of the people there and, and of how, how much bread money would buy in those days. 200 penny worth of bread uh, would not be sufficient, Lord. And Jesus commands that the people be made to sit down. And they sit down on the green grass, Mark says, telling us what time of year it was. It was Passover time. And uh, Jesus then feeds the 5,000. He doesn't just feed them, notice. He involves the disciples in that work. They came to him with their request that the people be sent away. And Jesus is involving them, first of all, in the needs of the people, in his own compassion for them. He's teaching them, isn't he, to make time for these people as he has made time for them. And he's involving them now in feeding them by their service to the people. So in verse 19, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude and they did all eat and were filled. It's the same wording as is used later by Matthew in chapter 26 when he comes to describe the memorial feast. 
Jesus blessed and break it. Looking up to heaven, he blessed the bread and break it. You see how that Jesus involves the disciples in the work. That was the work that they were going to have to do when Jesus left them. That was the work which was ahead of them, wasn't it? Feeding the people. Acting as the go-between, between Jesus when he ascended to the heavens. Throughout the books of the Acts of the Apostles, which is strictly the acts of Jesus through his apostles, they were to be responsible for feeding the people, not with physical victuals, but with the spiritual food, the word of life. And then, he made them gather up the fragments. The disciples had to collect the uh, baskets full of the crumbs. And... Uh, Straightway, verse 22, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And again, Jesus has more than one thing in mind here, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> there isn't time to do it this morning and this is not the place for a, a full Bible study and exposition. This is a word of exhortation. But if we were to compare the Bible records, we would see that here there was a sore temptation before our Lord Jesus Christ. There was every danger that the people might come and force him to be a king. There was the temp one of the temptations, one of the three temptations of his 40 days in the wilderness, which returned at this point. And Jesus was concerned to rid himself of that temptation to get out of the way of, of temptation. But he was concerned also that his disciples should not be caught away by the enthusiasm of the crowd, that they should not be involved in that temptation too. And so he dispatches the disciples first, and uh, fairly peremptorily, doesn't he really? He constrains them. Sounds as though there was some resistance. But he constrains them to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sends the people away. So again, Jesus is, is thinking ahead, isn't he? He's got time, brothers and sisters. Jesus is the master, isn't he, at this? He's always one step ahead <coughs> of others. And here, he's working on behalf of his disciples, as well as on behalf of the people. And so it is later when, <coughs> after spending some hours in prayer, the Lord rejoins the disciples, walking to them on the water. <coughs> We've read the story together. You know how people, how Peter dares to clamber out of the boat and come to Jesus on the basis that it is Jesus. That's what inspires him, isn't it? We should not be overcritical and, and condemnatory of his action in that. Jesus isn't. <coughs> it's, it's remarkable, isn't it, that Jesus doesn't say, well, why do you come? What Jesus says is, well, why did you doubt? Jesus doesn't condemn Peter for coming. And Jesus again, puts out a hand, saves his beloved disciple. He's careful to make time for those who need it. And that's what we see in this chapter, it seems to me, brothers and sisters. It's <clears throat> just when the Lord might have said, well, my need is greater than that of the people, or than that of the disciples. This is what we're going to do. The Lord lets his Father guide. Morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear. And it's as though every day Jesus rose up from sleep and asked his Father, 
What's on the agenda today? What is it that you want me to do today? How am I best to serve you today? How can I glorify your name this day? And he let God guide the events of the day and accepted them as they unfolded and dealt with them in that sinless way for which we have to be so thankful. What an example that is, brothers and sisters, isn't it, for us? who are sometimes so caught up on the treadmill of life. We don't seem to have time for all the things we want to do, let alone for all the people we would like to see, or to think about, to telephone, to ring up, to pray for. Just isn't time to fit those things in, is there? Somehow we can't stop the world and, and, and get off. I don't think there has ever been a generation so preoccupied <coughs> with simply living as our generation is. We are just totally preoccupied, aren't we? And sometimes, regrettably, even the daily readings get pushed aside, don't they? Crowded out by the other things that we feel we have to do in the day. So what a, an exhortation, what a powerful exhortation is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Wakening every morning and letting God set the agenda for the day. Asking him what it is that we have to do. Letting the day unfold and dealing with it in every at every possible opportunity for his honour and his glory. And of course, this matter of time which the Lord Jesus Christ had for other people is nowhere better demonstrated than in the last week of the Lord's ministry prior to his crucifixion. Perhaps as we prepare to take the emblems this morning, we might just think about that for a moment or two. The crucifixion now loomed very near. The Lord Jesus Christ was well aware of it. And again, if I had been in his shoes, I know that I would have been sweeping people away. Look, don't bother me with that. Can't you see? I've got enough on my plate. I, I've got enough to think about. Don't worry me with that just now. Isn't it remarkable that no one ever heard anything like that from the lips of the Lord? Isn't it remarkable that, <clears throat> that Jesus didn't keep an appointments diary? You never came to the, to the disciples and said, um, I've got a sick son here, when, when could you fit me in? It would have been ludicrous, wouldn't it? That sort of thing just never happened, did it? Jesus had time for all who came to him. and Just when he most might have needed time alone, time for himself, time to sort out his own thinking, <coughs> ensure that his attitude and his approach to the crucifixion, to the trial, the severe and sore trials that he had, just when he, he might have thought that he, he needed time to, to reappraise what he was doing, to, to ensure that he had it right, that he could really and truly face the suffering that was before him. There were others with needs and problems who would not let the Master rest. There were the people still, with their needs. <coughs> and Jesus, seeing their real needs, which they themselves never saw, was anxious to take every last possible opportunity to bring about their repentance, to help them to see and to understand who he really was, and to accept him, not as Messiah initially, but as their Saviour. 
there were the leaders who had begun with suspicions about Jesus which suspicions increased to doubt doubts became envy and envy had become open hatred now but even in that last week Jesus still had to make time for them for their trick questions for their endeavours to, to catch him in whatever he said he had to watch his words so carefully didn't he and he was so astute and his brain so finely tuned brothers and sisters we cannot but stand back in admiration and awe of the thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ as he understood so perf perfectly the word and the will of his heavenly father and was able to bind these men in knots and tangle them in their talk because of their wickedness and their hypocrisy and there were still the disciples with him whose needs in that last week of his ministry were even greater now more than ever the Lord needed to prepare them for the shock that was to, to hit them. Help them to understand that he was to be crucified and slain and yet he would rise again the third day. <clears throat> Even though they never fully understood and accepted what he was saying. There were words that he spoke which would come back to them at a later time. It was important that he speak them. That he ensure that they were listening. Did he do his best to prepare them for what lay ahead? And in addition to his own needs, those of the people, those of the religious leaders of his day, and those of his disciples, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ, marvel of marvels, made time for you and me as well. He made time for us by the appointment of this feast. He made time to make the arrangements beforehand so that when the disciples asked Lord where wilt thou that we prepare the Passover he said go into a certain city you'll find a certain man I have appointed a certain sign he'll be bearing a pitcher of water on his head he'll take you to a certain house all those arrangements that Jesus had 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 time to make and to put in place so that the disciples were really just carrying out what Jesus had already organized and they went and found the man in the city who led them to the house and they spoke to the goodman of that house who showed them the upper room that Jesus had already booked as it were and which was already laid out and furnished for their meal together So, brothers and sisters, there is no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ, in appointing this feast, did it partly for his disciples, the twelve around him, with desire, I have desired to eat this feast with you before I suffer, but did it for our sake too. He was able, with the eye of faith, to look right down the centuries and see us sitting here this morning, and he was able to know our greatest need. And this is our greatest need. Whether we think so or not, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> because we can so easily be like the people, unaware of their real needs, we too can sometimes not appreciate fully what our greatest need is, but Jesus knows it. And it is to remember 
that which has been accomplished on our behalf. A sister may have set the table. A brother may have bought the wine. But the preparations are of the Lord himself. He who made time for us and who desires to help us become aware of our needs and see them being met in this time of reflection and remembrance together. Here, brothers and sisters, the Lord is able to comfort our sadnesses, whatever they are. Here he is able to offer us rest from our busyness, the treadmill of the world that we've left behind for this morning at least. Here the Lord is able to still the arguments of his disciples that still go on in this 21st century as they did in that first one. Here, the Lord is able to involve us in his work and our responsibilities to go out and feed others with the bread of life. Here, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ is able to make us one by his grace as the members of his body and of his blood thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift and the time which the Son of God has made for you and me.